Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Alex Bonilla. Hola. April Collins. Hello. And John McKenna. Hi, everybody. Today we will be discussing The Lego Movie 2, the second part, which was released last week. For those of you who have not seen the movie, we will be starting off the the podcast with a brief non-spoiler discussion so you can listen in. Um, After that, we will be diving into spoilers, but don't worry, I will warn you before we get there. Um, It's been out for a while, I think it's still in theaters, it usually takes like about a month for it to get kicked out. Um, So if you still haven't watched it and you're in defense, don't worry, we will try and convince you one way or the other. Um, you can find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes or on YouTube at YouTube.com slash OverlyAnimated where we recently passed 1,000 subscribers. Woo! Yay. That's, that's like awesome. <laughs> um, Got to get that YouTube money. If Question mark. <laughs> question mark. Very. All, all your YouTube millions belong to us now. <laughs> Possibly. We don't know. Except we have to split it amongst like 15 of us. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yes, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, guys, tell me right now we're just sticking with non-spoilers. Give me just your general impressions of the Lego movie too. Um, let's start with April. So I, of course, I'm always very weary of like sequels in any type of fashion, simply because um, I grew up with all of those Disney movies and all of those <laughs> horrendous sequels. So hey, The Lion King 2 was great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. But, but so... Um, But I always try to go in with an open mind, and I'm really glad that I did. I enjoyed this movie a whole lot more than I thought I was going to. It's it's really fun. It's um you know it's fun and catchy, and I I liked the sort of message behind it, which of course we'll get into. Um, it's a great movie for anyone who played with Legos and who played with Legos with siblings specifically, um, which I did. So it really touched me and made me miss my brothers, and I called them afterwards. So uh, <laughs> I <That's> know. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the music of this movie. I don't remember the first one being super duper like musical, but um, even though it took me by surprise, I I liked it. So I'm I'm pretty you know I I guess high on this movie. It was it was a good experience. I'm really glad that I went and saw it. Um, and got to I guess just enjoy it. Awesome! I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. Um, Alex, what do you think? Did you like it? Well, I I was raised in an era where sequels are now good. I was raised in the era of Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, for example. What about Cars 2? Yeah, yeah, okay, they're still bad ones. But I'm just saying, I'm of the mind that that sequels are not a, a, a lost cause anymore in our age. There have been enough good ones that we don't have to go in with these low expectations. So, but, but on the other hand, I was in the minority that the first Lego movie to me was not that impressive. I was very underwhelmed, especially given the general consensus that it's, it was like one of the best movies of that year. So, uh, I, 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 with that in mind, I went into Lego Movie Two. Like, okay, well, there, there, it'll be somewhere in the middle between that and the Lego Batman movie, which I did enjoy, and I think it ends up around there. Where like, there's a lot of pieces, <laughs> avoiding Lego puns, but there are a lot of pieces in this movie that I feel like in in a vacuum, when I think about them, they're good. 
there's a it's dealing with a lot more different messages than the first Lego movie, which I feel was a little more straightforward. I think this one is trying to tackle a couple of different things. So in that sense, it's more interesting to watch. But just as a whole product, I, I was uh, I didn't leave the theater as excited as I think I should have, given the the general tone of the entire movie. But like there are parts I really love. There are parts that I'm like, okay, sure. And and there's not really a part I hate. So that, that's why I kind of feel weird in not being excited for the movie. But at the same time, I do think that it's a functional sequel. And I think it is better than the first Lego movie. So I'm just kind of in a weird limbo with this. But there are definitely parts that I'm hyped that I, I do want to talk about definitely in the movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. And John, what about you? Did you like it? Uh I just remember that when the first Lego movie came out, my main reaction was just my eyes rolled back in my head because when I heard, saw the phrase Lego movie, it was, this is going to be just a stupid, shameless cash grab made for four-year-olds. And then I actually saw the movie, and I realized that this movie was way better than it had any right to be called the Lego movie. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was extremely creative. I loved the how they really committed to how every animation was Lego. There was very little deviation whatsoever aside from the faces and them jumping into the uh, the real world with, with with obsessive Will Ferrell dad playing with his Lego set. It was like I really enjoyed it quite a lot. I could see why the hype hippos were going off saying why it should have been best animated picture at the Oscars, even though it was snubbed. So then when Lego Movie 2 came out, I was like, OK, OK, this was fine. You know, the hype hippos are getting all excited, think it's going to be great. Um, I did see it, and I have to admit, I liked the first one better, though this one was, it was okay, but I felt like it kind of went over some of the same ground that the first Lego movie did. I thought that the scenes with the the people were, they were better, but overall, it was a, it was a fine movie. It's certainly a decent movie. There's nothing decent movie. It's a, it's a fun thing to go to by yourself, you know, go see with friends, the Design the Lego designs are still cool. The voice acting is still very nice, uh, but it, I didn't like it as much as the first movie. But all in all, it was fine. It's good. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think the they're they're gonna start jumping up and down for it to get nominated for something at the Oscars next year. But you know, it's a fun it's a fun time that can be had. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I kind of fall. I don't know if I'm the most negative or if I'm like at the same level as John um because I think the the first one is just much is a much more superior film than this one I think this one's a little bit of scatterbrained it's less it is less focused but it also the things that it's it, I don't know I just I have questions about the world and the the the, the rules of this world that they've created and okay and, and, and it, we'll get into them more later. I just yeah, it's but funny in, how in general I think that if you think too hard about the mechanics of how the story works, <laughs> I know, but then I'm it just, falls apart. I'm just then saying, yeah, like with for instance, I'm just saying the world of Toy Story as. It makes sense, you know. It's like there are these clear, defined rule, lot like rules that were established, and it's like, okay, well, this is this is the reality that is there presented to us. When this one, I'm like, what's going on? And then when I was like refreshing my mind because I saw this like a, a week or so ago, um, 
I so I was reading the plot summary on Wikipedia just to remind myself, and they said metaphorically in this world, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you using this term? Um, so uh, yeah, so I I there are elements of this movie that I really enjoyed, and I wished I had seen more of. There were other things that I kind of was a little bored by. There were just certain things that they they kind of went through. Tr- they just basically said things that have already been explored in other ways in a much more interesting fashion and just were kind of superficially explored here that I was just like, all right, sure, this is this is good, but it's not, you're not do, bringing anything new to the table, which is sad because that's what the first one did do something a little bit more, a little bit more different. Um, it did take a bit more, a few couple more risks. But um, so yeah, I have my qualms with the film, but we'll get into them more. Um, but I will. Add, I do want to ask this kind of somewhat philosophical question: um, Did we need a sequel to the Lego Movie? Like, was it did was it mandatory? And I will say to John, saying that you thought it was going to be a cash grab. I mean, technically, the Lego Movie was a cash grab because the profits for the Lego for Legos like soared after the movie. So well, yeah, it was yeah. still a commercial for Legos, but it was just yeah, a very yeah, well but, made commercial. But 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 the thing is when I said when I said that, I mean it's sort of like you threw it out there because people would go to it just because it said Lego. What I didn't expect was it to actually be a movie with heart, feeling, good writing, and people who actually were committed to making this giant Lego world and just how good it was. So yeah. that's sort of what I was getting at though. But, a good um, commercial. Yeah, a good yeah, it's a good commercial. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but again, um, so just, just to the question mm-hmm. of do we need a sequel? My my take always with this is does any movie need a sequel? Maybe not. But if you think that you have extra ideas that you can develop in in the universe that you've established, then I think that there is merit to continuing in that universe and exploring these new ideas. And I do think that the Lego Movie too. I, I get what you're saying with like some some of the stuff is treading very close to what the first movie did, but I also think it's trying to incorporate other themes into it that maybe I didn't expect it to or to get. I didn't expect them to try dealing with this many things different things and uh, that results in it feeling a little bit scattered at times and, and unfocused but at the same time if, if if you have those ideas at all and you think you have a way to make them into a, a, an exciting movie still uh, i think there's merit to that so I, I i am totally fine with the existence of a lego movie sequel especially considering that i i feel it is different enough from the first movie to differentiate itself I, 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 but I, but I think one of the other things we have to point out though is that this is the fourth movie that incorporates Lego as well. So, well, I mean, it that's is an a- unfair thing though because the, those other two, like the Lego Batman and um, Lego Ninjago, they're kind of they're actually telling like a story within that. Like, it's not a direct continuation of the Lego Movie. So that's why it's kind of like, yeah, they're included in the Lego universe, sure. But like, for instance, the Lego Ninjago Movie had nothing really to do with the lego movie no i mean i, I get that but so i'm thinking in terms of like, like yeah i'm thinking like I'm, yeah no i'm just sort of thinking like style like sort of like you know the style and the create the style the angles and all that it's like now it's sort of we've seen this now three times it's sort of like you know how yes last jedi is the is a sequel to force Vegas, but in between we had rogue one and we're gonna have all these other movies as well so it's like it's a sequel but we've also it's a sequel and we've but we've already had stuff in that universe as well so yeah. Well, again, Ninjago, I don't think is within that universe, though. Is what I'm saying. It's it's not something that took place in the home of this of Will Ferrell's family. Is what I'm saying. 
Um, right, but so that's it, why I'm like, it, it, yeah, but it's also it's like the only thing that links it is that it's Legos. It's not that it's like the same universe, unlike say Rogue One or say Solo, which are still interconnected with these characters that we're very familiar with from that world. So it's a little different. Right, right. But um, but April, tell me, are you you you're happy that we got this movie? I mean, I I I guess it's hard to say like it and to go along with uh what and. Uh, Alex said is that do we ever really need a sequel to any movie and so I I like whenever a sequel can come about and it can be it can be done very well like they could have just totally made the cash grab out of this and you know did it like you know cut the budget for things um in an effort to of course you know raise their revenue and all of that but th- there was a lot of like scenes and moments in this movie that i was like oh well you really didn't spare any like expense with this movie so i appreciate that you um could give enough of like your heart and of course your budget to make this movie or you know to give it give it your all versus like, and that's, I think that's my biggest issue when it comes to some sequels is that then studios will take, will cut things and like the animation isn't as good. They'll replace a lot of the actors for, you know, cheaper unknown names and that kind of situation. And so with this one they you know, they kept all of the same cast. They even added a lot of like big ticket people. And, and then like, it was nice having, um, you know, a lot of like big, big names and they probably just were just like, oh, I'll just do a cameo or whatever. But even still, like for them to kind of have that and make that effort, it it speaks a lot to just them. But I mean, to to answer your question, no, we don't ever need a sequel to anything. But this one was enjoyable and it could have it could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So and, and I, you know, I agree that there are, you know, issues with like the plot and the story and things like that but sometimes like and this is why the other reason why like I try to go into like movies with open minds especially like animated movies is because a lot of the times it's not geared towards me and so I try and get into that like five-year-old April perspective or that eight-year-old April perspective or whatever age it's supposed to be in and appreciate the movie from that stance and so I feel like you know let's see when I was playing with Legos I was maybe like 10 or 11 and so yeah like 10 or 11 year old april would love this movie and all of that or you know and could really relate to it and so that's kind of what like i try and go into whenever especially whenever we go into a movie that's targeted towards a younger audience you know no we don't ever need a sequel for anything but whenever we do get a sequel it's nice whenever it's really well done Right, uh, right. I have to confess, I never actually played with Legos growing up, or I don't remember <gasps> playing with Legos growing up. Yeah, I mean, I did, but I wasn't. That wasn't my big thing. My my, my brother was a real Lego fan, and I would always be annoyed when he invited me to play with him. So these movies have <laughs> made me reconsider the, that attitude and make me feel bad about my past self, but also recognize that we were all kids and we have bad. The tendencies we need to grow out of and yeah. uh, and just uh, speaking to april's thing I, I just want to point out like you mentioned that you get in like the young mindset but i do think a, a good part of this movie is that there are more adult themes being touched upon that i think that even as an adult i appreciated uh, being included in this movie even if kids don't don't maybe aren't uh, as in tune with it but i do think that there is something to be taken out of even for uh, more mature viewers right and in, right. And, in the, yeah. and in the and in the we Will Ferrell had a giant Lego set he was making too, so it's clearly and so there's definitely enough for like adults too. Adults play with Legos. 
Yeah, Damn. I play yeah. with Legos. So, yeah. fight me. <laughs> <laughs> no one will fight you. No one will fight you. Um, but um, but yeah, okay. So this is the part where we go into spoilers. You, we've already given you our thoughts of the movie. You decide if you want to keep listening or not. Um, last warning: spoilers. Three, you've two, been warned. You've been warned. Ah, okay, cool. So the movie is basically split, split up into like three parts, right? So it's the human story. It's the what the like the story with the in the world of like the sister uh star system star system yes oh and then you have um emmett and rex having their own adventure um so i kind of wanted to start with the part that worked the least for me which is the human part of this um my biggest thing when watching it was that they just i just feel like they didn't balance this kind of interchanging between the human world and the Lego world. I mean, the thing is, the, Lego, the whole point of the first one was that that was a surprise. It's like, oh, they're all, they're actually human and then they're actually playing with these things. And I just felt like there was just this weird, like in this time, it was just a lot more interwoven within the story. It wasn't so much like, oh, this is only going to happen in the third act. It was much more played into. But at the same time, I just thought... It just didn't make sense. I was like, okay, so is this the kid's imagination? When do you, when, how does this work? Where, wait, why is this being incorporated? Or wait, are you actually alive, these, these Legos, or are they not? Is this all in the mind of the kids? And then what's going on? How, like, how does this work? For me, just didn't, it, it didn't work as smoothly as the previous one. And that to me was just, I don't know, it just, in a way, it took me out of the movie because it just kind of forced me to, be like, wait, but what are what's going on here? Like, why are you all, whatever? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I like the premise of like, okay, it's it's siblings fighting with toys and fighting over the toys and not what like the the and the brother wanting to not have his space being infiltrated by the sister. Like, I get that and that and I find that fascinating. I just don't think this element of the film worked as well. But am I alone here in this? Well, I, so I think something interesting to point out about like how there was a more interwoven um, human world and like Lego world is that at the very beginning of the movie, they essentially spell out like up to a certain point, all of this is like the kids' imagination because um, the boy who's playing with the Legos, I can't remember his name right now. So. Um, that's what it is. I was like, it, I feel like it's adventure timey. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, he is, he is Finn the human. <laughs> Finn the human. Oh, man. Um, but so Finn even says, like, in the, like, fight with his sister or whatever, he's like, no, like, there's going to be time travel and, like, future identities. And I was like, <gasps> okay. And so I think, like, it kind of... Um, Like, I think, like, once I heard that, I was just like, okay, like, I have an understanding of how this movie is going to go. But it was still, like, a really fun journey. And I liked that, like, we're going between the different systems between, like, um, what was it? Armageddon? It wasn't Armageddon. It was Apocalypseburg. Apocalypseburg. So there's, like, Apocalypseburg. And then there's, like, the Sistar system. And so, and, like, I like the whole, like, we're trying to travel between the two of them. And I, I get where it, like, super disconnects. But that's also something you have to keep in mind is that essentially, like, like in the first one, this is all, like, their imagination and them playing with toys. And so, like, 
it's just them like sort of making it up as they go along. Like I remember all the time, like starting a story or playing something with my brothers and not knowing how it was going to end until it ended or until we started getting into a fight, which was usually when it ended. But so I like that sort of element that it kind of feels very like disconnected and jarring and a, a little bit jarring. And as an adult, like, uh, but a again, like I watched this through the eyes of a kid because I am a giant kid, um, even after all of these years. And so I'm like, this is fun. This is an adventure. And I'm just here for the ride kind of situation. And, it, you know, like it's interesting to see like where a kid's imagination goes and how it takes them there. Um, the only part, of course, that wouldn't necessarily be like inside I guess like it's them sort of going back and explaining it to themselves would be like the parts where like it seems like the Legos are alive and they're like fighting underneath the dryer or something like that like I imagine that's like Finn going back and being like no we're fighting they're fighting under the dryer that's why they're both there kind of situation or even they may not actually be under the dryer he's just like that's what they're doing right now kind of situation or even like as I as I was a kid I would just put things under the dryer and be like they're fighting under there like <laughs> Plus, you can't get under there to my brothers, of course. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it like looking at it that way, like all of like the sort of jarring, like the jarred edges between the worlds make sense to me. Um, but again, I, I don't know. That's just my take on it. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, I, I will say like the mechanic of the, having the human world appear in the third act of the first movie. I think that's a situation where it's just a genie you can't put back in the bottle. So, like, the, interweaving it in the sequel is kind of the only direction I see that you can really take take it. Because then you're you're if you're without it, then you're kind of just reach you're re diving even deeper into retreading the first movie. Whereas here, I think that if you're interweaving it, it allows the story to have like two different readings at the same time. Because on the one hand, you can stick yourself in the Lego interpretation of the of uh, of the story, which is actually just the boy's interpretation of of, right. of what he's yeah, telling, basically. but then you also have the second level of the uh, these two sides representing the brother and the sister and their struggle to communicate with each other, and the sister like not knowing how to get his brother to play uh, to play with him. So like, I love uh, I like the idea of a story that works in two different ways at the same time, sort of thing with with this dynamic, and I do think that it's a toy story situation where you kind of just have to accept that the legos are part of the imagination here like if if you dive too deep into like wait but why are they under the dryer why are they like walking with each other like i think that distracts you from from what the the, the story stuff that's going on in the movie and on, on the grand scale of things i don't think it's uh, it's that big, uh, big of a deal considering the, the what we've set up in the in the first movie but anyway like i enjoyed the, the dynamic and i think that it actually works wonders for the story i, I mean just I, just, to, just before john before we go to you i just want to clarify like i don't have a problem with like the sibling dynamic stuff i love that stuff no, but you, for you me love, it's like more, switching between me, legos and for humans me, no yeah. for me it's more and i and i under, and i agree with you the whole interweaving that is the only way to do it for me i just thought it was slop it wasn't done well i just think it was done sloppily i think and also i disagree this isn't like toy story in toy story that world the toys are alive that is the rule of toy story the stories Wait, are alive and then they hide when the uh when when humans are around 
But then, but that's the thing. It's like, okay, so then it, I don't need an explanation for why the, in Toy Story, why they end up on the floor or something because it just means, okay, well, when the humans were gone, they went there. For me, it's more of, okay, well, if the, if it's the case that the, that the boy left them under the dryer, I want a scene where he puts, he throws them in the, under the dryer. You know what I mean? Or they accidentally kick them under the dryer and that's how they ended up there. Instead of suggesting that they do have this kind of, um, ability to go away from have this uh, what's that word agency i guess to be able to move outside of the realm of the imagination of the i think that is if, if they had you know actually showed scenes of like of you know him putting them under the driver dryer or something along the like we do get the scenes where he's you know like finn or um the sister bianca are sort of moving the actual pieces around in in line of the story but i think that if we had like done things like okay i'm actually gonna put this under the dryer or something along those lines i feel like that would have taken you out out of the story too much and it's a it's Mm -hmm. a really it's a really fine line to cross whenever you're going to sort of pull um pull anyone out of like the imaginatory area of existence within the story to go address like the real world like aspect of it but if you you know if you had had because it's one of those like it's a can of worms like you can't just have one scene where he's just putting one lego under the dryer like you would have to have many scenes of them doing all of the things and then at that point you're just watching two kids play with toys and that's not what the movie's trying to be but it's, it is what the movie's trying to be is yeah. show like an imaginated right, and hyped up version but, of but, two kids playing with toys right while, while but keeping it's an imaginary, you in the imaginary world as much yeah, as possible I'm yeah. just saying though like that's just they, saying like you might as well just set up like a webcam in a kid's playroom and then watch that because that's not entertaining. (laughs) I'm just saying also, but I'm just saying, do you say that there can't be, but I think that there could be a way to do it. I think that there is possible a way where say when they cut to the kids playing, it could be, it doesn't have to be that quick. And the thing is you say they could be jarring to take you out, but that's what they're doing is take the, by, by definition of interweaving the human world with the Lego world, they are already taking us out and making it jarring. Right. So if, for me, it's like, it's kind of this thing where they're trying to do both. And it's like, there is, they, it doesn't work because they aren't, if, they, if you're going to do both, then you have to do it smoothly. And there are moments where they're expecting way too much of me to connect the dots is mm. my problem where I'm like, look, yeah. if you want to do it, fine, you're already taking us out. So why not actually do it properly is yeah. my thing. Yeah, because I think yeah. it does work. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean. Uh, John, uh, John, come in, come in. You okay. Um, basically, I do agree. I feel like it could have been done a little bit better, though. I do like the fact they did sort of switch a little bit more back and forth. They did kind of buy into that a little bit, uh, which for me, it kind of makes sense because you have the Lego world playing out as as the brother-sister battle. And then you have what it's what's going on, on the human side as well. What threw it for me was that where I think I didn't where I put the first movie above the second movie in this context is that while the first movie they had like little hints that it was sort of the human world playing out in the Lego world because when what was it Lord Business's ship took off, you just saw this little block come off and just go and I was like, okay, that's funny. And then it switches back. You could see like, okay, I can imagine like there'd be this little kid going like making the little airplane noises. Um, here, where it threw me was that even though the toys were underneath the dryer, they were still alive. They were still acting. This yeah. gets to what you said, Beatrice, with the rules thing. And it's like I sort of like the idea that this is like this is shot as, you know, it's what's going on in the 
in the player's mind on this Lego world. And we're seeing that. That I kind of dig. I like that sort of idea that we zoom out and we see what it actually is because that's part of the Lego experience. It's you're imagining a new world that you're building and rebuilding and constantly constructing out of Legos. You want a double you want a double double tier couch? You can have a triple tier couch. You can have a quadruple tier couch. It's Legos. It's completely up to you. And we see that's all about seeing the imagination. But when but because Rex and Emmett were alive and they were he was underneath the dryer, that got me a little uh confused because they tried to do that joke again where it was just like the two Legos clicking against each other to simulate fighting. It doesn't work when they're alive in the real world under a dryer. So it's like it's bleeding too much. It's like they think there's music playing in the storage bin. I'm like, this is not working nearly as well. And again, Beatrice, to your point, it broke the rules. And it sort of, it lost me a little bit. I was like, okay, because it felt like they were sort of backing off what I thought worked so well from the first step movie. Okay. All right. So enough about, well, for now, because we are going to talk about the whole switch and the twist that actually wasn't a twist and everyone was telling the truth. Uh, we will talk about that, but the story does, the Lego world story does split into two. We have Lucy and the gang with going to the star system and meeting Queen whatever Wanabi. And then we have the story with Rex and Emmett. Now, for me, the mo- the best part of the movie was in that world with the star system and being like, are you evil? Are you not? And I like the play on the point of view and all that. That's great. And that's what I thought was the most fun. But what for me was the most kind of intellectually stimula- stimulating, I guess, is the whole Rex Emmett storyline, which even though I fa- I personally found to be quite boring, I was the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, well, they're talking about masculinity and what does this mean? And the, the intellectual part of me was like trying to like break that down. So let's talk about the fun part, which is why Wanabi is like the greatest character ever. <laughs> so Alex, here's your moment. Tell me, why is Wanabi so great? And why is this part of the story so amazing? Well, I, I just think that Tiffany Haddish is having a lot of fun with this voice work. Like she's being very, she's adding a lot of flair to every line that she gives. Uh, I think that the whole playing of, hey, I'm totally not evil, you guys. And like using words that are very close to evil words. And uh, the, the, the song itself, the song Not Not Evil is the the, the pinnacle of, of her character, in my opinion. Um, she goes the, like unconniving, unnasty. And like she goes through every person. I honestly think that that song deserves an Oscar nomination <laughs> when we get to next year. Like the, 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 this is the song that deserves it of the movie. And uh, also like later you get the the whole idea of uh, her like uniting her kingdoms together. Like she she is the one who's doing it. She has to do it through these uh, t- uh, squirrely means and like tricking Batman into getting to marry him because it's a reflection of the sister that the sister has to like because the direct manner has failed so now she has to go around the brother in this case by stealing the toys and queen whatever wannabe is is just following the same thing as well as her henchman um mayhem so i i love the 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 connection between whatever wannabe's story and the sister's uh, interpretation of what's going on in their uh, brother-sister dynamic. And uh, at the same time, I just think that she's funny whenever she's on screen. 
uh, she also has the moment where she's like doing her evil laugh and it turns out she's laughing at a banana but the animation like makes her look like a de- devil so like you totally fall and the music is classic evilness so i think that just the the, the twisting of her actually not being evil but like act at doing things that a norm, normal hammy villain in a in a movie would do like i think it, it meshes together perfectly and it goes through all the way to the end so i i, I really enjoyed her character the most gotcha gotcha anyone want to add anything else about one uh yeah uh yeah i mean i sort of I was I sort of went into it thinking it's like okay she's obviously evil they're trying to make a riff or a parody of that and it's the fact that she wound up actually not being evil I was I guess I'm a little embarrassed to say I was a little surprised by that because I was I was actually expecting her to be evil and they were taking a completely different direction but yeah um what Alex said uh, Tiffany had I Tiffany Haddish was you could tell she was having just the time of her life recording those roles and I love I love it when. Uh, when when celebrity VAs do that in general, because it shows that they actually care, they liked the script enough to actually give their A game to something like this. And it's especially when it's something like this, where it could just be the easiest thing in the world to just sort of phone it in because you might be because you think you might be pandering to an audience that really could care less. So I really got you got to give her a ton of credit for just how well she just acted the hell out of that role. Right, right. April, did you at any point assume that Wanabi was evil? Yes, of course I did, because I'm always <laughs> suspicious. And then I, I, I got to admit, I was also, I was a little bit upset that she wasn't actually evil. Like, really? You wanted her to be full on evil? Kind of, like, <laughs> but I, you know, I just, it was, it was actually very, it was surprising. Like, again, because they set it up so much. And so I'm just like, oh, like, I was kind of waiting for that double psych out with her character where they're like, oh, she's not evil, and then she's going to be evil. Or, you know, like, she's not going to be evil, but then she is evil. Like, I was just kind of waiting for that, but it never came. And I'm glad that she was a good person, but I do agree that her, um, like, that Tiffany Haddish did a great job in the role. Um, Again, everyone's already said how much you can tell that she really enjoyed, like, playing the character. And I love that uh, the color like scheme i like that they kept the colors of her and that i was like thinking about it and i was like can those lego pieces actually make those shapes that she was <laughs> because i want to go try and make all of those shapes and then like there was other parts of me too that i was just like why doesn't she just add more shapes to her like just grow girl like get bigger <laughs> <laughs> but uh it was great and i loved like the whole like her whole like kingdom too like how everything's just like positive and poppy and fun and covered in glitter because everyone loves glitter so but no she was a great character and her um bridal party was amazing (laughs) speaking of of the marriage uh well before that i do want to say that i was very upset not that she wasn't evil but the fact that i for one second thought that she was because she freaking brings out Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, I'm just like, there's no way the evil person is going to be celebrating Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So I was like no, very I, ups- I, I, in high I think that's the be- the beauty of this storyline because it's playing into our, our cynicism as a society that we shouldn't be afraid of the unknown just because they communicate in a way that is off-putting to us dark-hearted right, people. Right. Like, we should be open to listen to hearing them out sort of thing. I, I, I like that kind of whole message about how cynicism is bad but 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 and i think the other lesson as well is if you're not evil maybe don't introduce yourself by saying hi i'm not evil 
Yeah. So my my guess for that was that it was uh, because, again, like Bianca is the one playing her. So I feel like those are all words that she's heard. And she's like, well, if this character isn't nasty, then they're unnasty. And if they're not like conniving, then they're unconniving. And like that was like my whole thought process behind like the choice of those words and just putting un in front of them is because her vocabulary may not be as large enough to come up with more positive words and also it it fits into the whole like when when sweet mayhem at the end the end was like we tried to talk to you and you were like you wouldn't so we're talking in your language so hello i am not evil kind of fits with yeah with the whole like well you think i am so i need to tell you i am not so i mean it all it, it fit very well they did that very well even though when i feel like when he was her age we didn't have this issue as much with the world but granted he was playing with like in his father's world i mean see yeah. this is why it all blurs together and it's confusing um but yeah uh john i think you were gonna say something no i was just, I was just gonna on the ruth bear gazer thing is there actually like a lego supreme court set out there, there because should i should be I, I, I could I, I would love to like all like have all nine like have the bed you'd be like and now the lego lego supreme court will come will come and litigants and all that like can i, I get mean, like a like can i get the lego clarence thomas or the lego uh justice roberts too like if I mean I just need a Ruth Bader Ginsburg like like if there wasn't one before there's definitely going to be one now like yeah. I feel like that now people will demand it, um <laughs> but le- I kind of do also I want to just mention how I really appreciate the whole um sequence between her and Batman I mean are we going to ship wannabe and Batman I think the movie did it for us <laughs> I mean I yeah. I mean are we, are we for it because I was I really liked how she went out of her way to go like no 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 we're not going to force him. We want to get his consent. And I was like, yes, thank you. Like, again, that should have been another tip that she wasn't evil because she wanted him to. I mean, granted, was that a little bit manipulative where she was like, I'm going to poke your buttons and I know exactly the type of person you are. So I'm going to make you like I'm going to. I mean, she's convincing him that (laughs) she's his perfect partner. But did any of you read that as somewhat manipulative? Yeah, yeah, when I thought she was evil. (laughs) When you thought she was evil. (laughs) gotcha gotcha okay well i i also like i i did think that but also i was like oh i like that she's getting his consent that's like that's nice even though it's like well <laughs> if she's being manipulative nice? if she's being manipulating if she's manipulating him is it really his consent that's another discussion though yeah this um, is like the prime example of negging somehow working so uh. it's it, it's also yeah. like we also know that bat bat lego batman has his you know ticks and quirks too so is it really like so is it really like you know negging all that much when you realize like you could just sort of you know exactly what he likes and you give him what he likes and he's like that easy to uh to get to manipulate like that well i mean i think it oh. counts as negging even yeah that, that, that's easy. exactly what negging is yeah. yeah no matter how easy it is how how quick it works i think it still is um does, but the at, at the level end of the day they're both compatible they're both lonely people who have british servants so i could work that <laughs> yeah. and they're not evil is yeah. the most important thing um i will say the most the the one part of this kind of side, this storyline was that didn't necessarily work for me was the brainwashing sequence. Even though I liked myself, I was like, ooh, it's a spa day. That's great. I was just kind of like, I don't. Okay, so this song, the one that's going to get in our head, did it actually get in your head? Yes. No. 
I, I tweeted like uh, uh, after leaving the movie, I was like, uh, is it wrong that five minutes after the catchiest song that will get in your head? I already forgot how the song goes. Like, <gasps> so like it, it, th- this movie is full of song- songs that are good. But I think that that hurts the catchy song because the catchy song ends up being like fourth place or so. Even though also I feel like the movie relied way too much on everything is awesome. Like at, at one point I was like, you have to let it go. I one point I was like, you know, like I don't need a reprise of it. I got like the funny joke in the beginning where like everything is not awesome. I get it. And I know that the stinger at the end, I understand. But also if you're if there are so many better songs in this movie, like, you know, Wanabi song, like I would have preferred a reprise of that, to be honest, which would give me an excuse to get more of Wanabi. Is, it, yeah, that, that she got two songs was very great. It's like the Gotham City uh, guys that we I don't really yeah. think we've touched upon, but it is a good song still. And uh, yeah, a catchy, catchy song, I don't know, because that's not even an Everything is Awesome ripoff. Like, that's its own original thing, but it's just totally. not not as good. Like, I think Everything is Not Awesome when they sing in the bin. Like, I actually kind of like that song because of the uh, of the extra additions of like, hey, like, have realistic expectations. It's like kind of calling out the original Everything is Awesome song. Well, like adapting it to our cynical 2018, like, hey, every everything, it's kind of the thesis of the movie, right? It's like, hey, everything is not awesome. Like there are things that suck, but that doesn't mean you should stop trying to make things better in small ways. So I, I, again, like I, I think there are strong messages th- throughout this movie and everything is not awesome. While it is an update of a song that maybe has worn out its welcome, but I, I think that it's done well. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, did anyone did anyone like co- completely like reject my my thought of the brainwash sequence not being that great? Um, I, I think it, I think it's fair. Uh, because I mean, I thought it was I thought it was okay. Like it, you know, it it it, it was good for laughs. It was fun to see, you know, uh, everyone was getting all sparkly, and it was really funny that uh, they got as. The, that they got Noel Fielding as a vampire because I really like Noel Fielding as an actor already, and, and it's basically his IT crowd character. <laughs> I, I think it's just—I think it's just him. He looks like a vampire in real life too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I—I I thought it, I didn't think too much of it. It's, it sort of played—it played for laughs. There was some nice bits. It was all—you could tell obviously something was up, just at how annoyingly clean everything was. So, but I don't know. For me, it just wasn't the really wasn't one of the more memorable moments of the movie gotcha gotcha okay well i guess it's time to talk about rex <laughs> we yeah. need to talk about rex yeah so i mean i i i enjoy i, I like how they were because i that was the first thing i thought was like is this like a fight club thing like are they doing a fight club thing was the first thing and i like how emmett was like continuously constantly needs to ask do you see him too? Like, am I not? Is this all in my head? I really appreciate that. But, I mean, I do want to get into this kind of dealing with masculinity thing that they're doing. I mean, obviously, Rex is a play on Chris on Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. It's like a mix of all his characters. I just think part of me is like, okay, well, Rex is helping Emmett deal with emotions, which is like not toxic masculinity you know it's telling you it's okay to feel and it's okay to be angry but then i started thinking more about it and i was like no it's still toxic masculinity because he's telling him to deal with his emotions in a violent way where it's destroying things so it's still toxic masculinity so then i don't know i was just 
even though I found this storyline to not be as exciting because, I mean, it's basically Chris Pratt talking to himself, I still thought it was, it, it had a lot there, a lot of messages there. And I mean, I mean, it, it's true, like this whole play on like, okay, like Emmett shouldn't have to change despite the world changing for him, yeah, or around him. Um, so what, and I, and I really, really, really like the fact that El- Emmett at one point becomes the villain. He at one point is the cause of the, of the mom apocalypse, I think is, or Mamageddon. Mamageddon? Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know the word. Our Mamageddon. Our Mamageddon. Um, so what did, so what did you guys think of this whole kind of storyline of, of this kind of dynamic that he and, that Emmett and Rex have? Did you – am I just reading too much into it? Is this not about toxic masculinity? Well, or? Definitely not not, not at all. You're not reading too much into it. I think that that's what they're trying to go for. I personally interpret it as a little bit superficial, honestly. Like, I, I they're, they're reflecting Chris Pratt's characters as seen in, like, Jurassic World and et cetera, that he's playing, like, the macho guy who has to save the, the lady sort of thing. And they're, like, calling out that that's – that there is darkness under under those the, that kind of motivation for a character. But at the same time, like, I – uh, the the movie ends with with Emmett fighting him in like a punching fight. So I I, I don't get the feeling that it ever really um it, it ever really like brings it all the way home in terms of its message, other than just saying, "Hey guys, hiding your emotions is bad." Like uh, I don't think it gets any deeper than that. There's a, the overall message is important that like, hey, darkness is not. Uh, does not mean you're manly. And like the Lego Batman movie also dealt with this pretty much throughout its entire runtime too. Like, hey, just because Batman's dark doesn't mean he's he's not still an a-hole. But like, uh, just like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's a message that I feel like a lot of uh, movies are dealing with now. But at the same time, I don't think many of these movies are getting deep enough into exactly why they're troublesome. Like this also reminds me very much of Wreck-It Ralph 2, which is similarly skirting around the lines of like, hey, the idea of being of macho being you need to destroy and and save everyone, like that's not what it all boils down to. Like the message is there, but at the same time it feels like it's uh, surrounded by other stuff, so it kind of gets drowned out with the with the rest of the story. So uh, I, I definitely think it's there, but I do think it's it's uh, of the various messages that this movie is trying to portray uh, to give off. I think that it's one of the weaker executions. Gotcha, mm. gotcha. I will say, Wreck-It Ralph, I think did it better. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph two did it better, but yes, I agree with you. Um, John, what do uh, you think? It- it's funny you brought up Fight Club because the first thing I thought of once it was once Rex was revealed to be Emmett in the future, I was like, this is Fight Club. So and Fight Club does deal with toxic masculinity because it's about people who who leave their awful, sad lives and go beat the go beat each other up. So but this was um, I thought this was OK. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Like I do get how they played. It's like he gets left under the dryer. No one comes for him. Then goes to seek his revenge, but then then he travels back in time by taking bits from every single time machine in popular culture and merging it all into one, which I still don't know why he did that. He could have just taken any one of them and never mind. Um, but yeah, to what Alex said, it did feel a little it did feel a little superficial. I feel like we've, this is something we've seen 19 times before in multiple different ways. Wreck-It Ralph 2. Um, 
some other shows have done this in the past. Some movies have done this in the past, too. It didn't add anything particularly new to the table. It still was a good twist that Rex was Emmett from the future, and he was bringing about Armageddon as a sort of revenge. And I did think when he dissolved at the end because his timeline was erased— it was pretty interesting too. Like, and I love the animation on that, where like block bits and pieces of him are like just going all at once rather than like the slow dissolve. But as far as the message goes, it's something that it's an okay message. It's not something that's like going to be earth shattering, groundbreaking, or adds anything particularly new. It was done all right. Just you know, eh, eh. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. April, what about you? Um, I sort of took Rex's character, um, while he did, like, I guess, display a lot of signs of, like, you know, the overabundance of masculinity, or even slightly toxic masculinity, especially with the whole, like, oh, just, like, punch your way out of it, or whatever. Um, I kind of took Rex as more of, like, that symbol of change that... Mm -hmm potentially like Finn has been trying to avoid especially in his home life um you know like and that's something that they sort of like introduce from the very beginning because they have you know the invasion of the the Duplo um characters which of course are his sister's toys and then um it's just kind of like him processing like the fact that like okay like your sister plays with these toys too your mom's really encouraging because again the mom does state like you know like i've said this you know multiple times to you guys like you guys have to play nice together and so i sort of took like rex's character as that especially because it fits in with like the whole wild style thing and she's like upset because emmett hasn't changed and she wants him to be more like it's i guess like that the whole situation with wild style is what i guess brings about like the over masculine the over masculinity of Rex versus Emmett and that Emmett's like, Oh, well, you know, like I have to be more like Rex. And I don't know if he necessarily meant it, if it was meant to be like, Oh, I have to be more manly and I have to be more violent. And I don't think that that's what like Wildstyle was kind of getting at, especially since Rex's character helps Emmett deal with his emotions. Um, I think that if it had been just more like, you just have to be more manly, like that would have been very like in our face with it. And I guess like there is that element of like, Oh, well I deal with my emotions by punching my way through it. And then we see like the negative consequences of that. So I, I, I don't know. Like I wouldn't say that he's necessarily is uh, that the whole like toxic masculinity and the fight thing, of course, like <sighs> happened, but it's fine. <laughs> happened. <sigh. laughs> what happened happened. It, yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, uh... Um, I mean, and I feel like it's one of those things, too, where, like, maybe that's supposed to be, like, the representation of his inner struggle, and where, like, yeah, maybe Emmett's character, who is, like, a younger, like, everything is awesome kind of person, and in that part, that side of Finn is just sort of battling it out with his broody teenager years that's like you can't play with your sister she's a girl and she's younger than you and that's not okay and like that kind of situation so i feel like maybe like that fight between them was like just him inside of himself being like you can play with your sister it's okay like this is 2019 or <laughs> something like that right, right. <laughs> so um gotcha. Although to add to that, that does mean then we had the hammy villain that wasn't the villain. We had the hammy hero that wasn't the hero. So 
just realized that is actually kind of funny on, in yeah. retrospect. Yeah, that's the foil. <laughs> that's the foil. Um, but no, I, I did think, I think for me, the big thing with, uh, with Rex, I think is I wanted, I guess I wished he had interacted more with the other characters. I feel like the, I think had, because the stories were so segmented and it was so much, it was Emmett versus Rex or just Emmett and Rex just interacting. Had we seen more of him interacting with the, with Wanabi, with Lucy, with, with Benny, with, with everybody. I just, I, 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 I can't get over the fact that he didn't interact with, with Bruce Willis as much. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Bruce, like there is so much written about, um, about, uh, what's it called? About Bruce Willis in, in, oh, what's that movie? Die you know Hard? that movie? Die Hard. Die Hard. There's so much about the whole masculinity thing in Die Hard. Like their thesis is written about masculinity in Die Hard. If you're going to bring in Bruce Willis in his version of Die Hard, you need to have your question or your kind of engagement with this discourse to engage with him too i don't know i was just i just found i feel like they could have done more with this and it, i don't think they they did enough with it and maybe this is why i felt it was so scattered because i thought that the, the film itself with its themes felt a little bit scattered is because there had they feel like been more focused on one of these things or incorporated or fo- focus on one theme because i didn't really realize until the end i was like oh yeah lucy was the one who wanted emmett to change i forgot about that by the end yeah so i thought it had they incorporated more of that and involved the other characters who had been pressuring Emmett to change and seen the 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 damage that does, maybe then this could have been a little bit more uh, layered. It could have had a little bit more substance. But um, mm-hmm. we didn't get that. But it's fine. I, I just thought, you know, maybe that that's what was missing. Um, it was as superficial well, as Emmett's stubble. Is all. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a marker? But even yes. Rex's was marker. So. Yeah, that's, the thing. that's exactly it. Rex's was marker. It was all a facade. It, it was, was all... all it was all an illusion of yes. sorts. He got yes. to well, watch The Matrix for the first time and he was like, wow, I'm mature now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all, all remember the first things. time watching The Matrix. <laughs> Confession, I still haven't watched it. Oh, oh no. That's not <laughs> discussion. No, that, mean, that means she, she's pure like Emmett. So let's there you go. Like, I'd rather be pure like Emmett. You know I, I don't want to be Rex. I, I never want to be I accept you in your pureness like Emmett. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. See, why can't I find a Lucy who'll accept me, you know? Anyway, that's another discussion, you guys. Um, so what were your favorite cameos of the movie? Like, what were your favorite, like, side characters that you were just like, this is, this is great? My favorite uh, cameo was the lack of cameo by Marvel, and I love that they pointed it out, too. They're like, we keep bringing Marvel, and they won't answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of like how they just, like, were like, oh, the Justice League, they just, they, like, handled them. They're like, they're just going to be gone. They'll be back for a bit, but for the most part, they're gone. And I love how it's just, like, they were just growing steadily more and more Wonder Woman. That was great. I also really did. I did really enjoy Bruce Willis in the vents. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was great. That he was, only lives in the vents. He only lives. In, he's comfy there. He's comfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I had I had said Noel Fielding already, but for me, the for me, my other favorite cameo was uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, just because. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Just, just because I. Get a, just because I, 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 the one thing I liked about this movie was just how much, like, how they actually made the effort to go out and get the actual actors for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And just seeing Jason Momoa in Lego form is like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> so, 
Gotcha, gotcha. Alex, what about you? What's your favorite cameo? Mm, I, I don't know if I have a favorite cameo. Like, honestly, I think that one uh, demerit to this movie is that the cameos feel a lot more forced than they felt in other movies. Like, the one that stands out to me is when Emmett is in the uh, is trying to get rally his uh, his town to go say, go to the alien world, and like Cher- Cheryl swoops and Gary Payton randomly shows up, and Gary Payton has to say, "Yeah, that's right, WNBA legend Cheryl swoops." Like, it's like, what, what, what is even the po- who is this for? <laughs> it's like that. So. A lot, of, a lot of the cameos felt like that in this movie, so I don't think I can praise like any of like the the five second characters it, here. I have to admit, on that Gary Payton note, I actually left the movie theater uh, th- remembering that cameo. I was like, I only know one, I, pro- I only know one other person that would probably recognize that's Gary Payton, and that's Alex. <laughs> I didn't recognize who that. I was. didn't. That that one flew past me, but I was yep. like, someone will enjoy it. Over. But I mean, I, but yeah, I was gonna say I really enjoyed um, Channing Tatum as Superman and Jonah Hill as Green Lantern. I love the continuation of that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> that was wonderful. Um, I will I will remain with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I will RBG man. That that is my favorite cameo. And I, I mean, but hey, maybe the person who could recognize whoever it was you were talking about, Alex, couldn't recognize Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, like there, it's like different uh, strokes for different folks. A, you know, I, I feel like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a, way more of a national icon. Oh, yeah. I agree with you, but there may be that one person who doesn't know, but is like really into WWE or something. So- I don't know. Uh, sadly, I think uh, just because I'm so like uh, so disillusioned with the American educational system, there probably are more people that recognize Gary Payton than Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm. Mm, I, I, that's that's a very sad thing to think about. But um, but yeah, so that, that I think RBG has to be my favorite um, cameo. But yeah, I think that does it for us. Is there any kind of last thoughts you guys have on the movie? This is the time to speak of them. Um. This okay. podcast is gonna get stuck inside your head. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I think one thing we need to talk about. What did everyone think about Maya Rudolph as the mom? Oh, she was great. Her. I love her. Yeah, I, 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 I think she. I, I kind of thought it was really funny that like Will Ferrell was just like, I'm not doing this sequel. <laughs> just kind of just did voices and, and that was yeah. it. Like, just, <laughs> and, just that one thing. It's like, do the thing your mom told you to do. Which we all know he could have He just did all that in the in the recording booth when he was like, I'm not. Because he, he, his character in Legos did appear. So I was like, okay, so they got him back for that and then he was like, I'm not going to be in person for this. And then they're like, okay, well then just record these lines and then we'll put it in. Uh, um, Rudolph's yeah. line of uh, very close to childbirth got really loud laughs in my theater. Yeah. So yeah. I when did as well. Yep, yep. We, we, we've all stepped on Legos before and it does really, really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That is painful. I will say I really enjoyed the ending credit song. Yes. With like the oh, lonely yeah. island. And um, I think it was like Beck and one other person who I can't remember, but I really, really enjoyed that. And I love that the song is just like about how cool it is to have the ending credits song. And then they yeah. like read off the credits. <laughs> 
The credits are great because everyone gets their due for participating in a, an hour-long piece of art. So, shout out to stereoscopic supervisor Chris Cunnington. I'm, yes. I'm sure he, he, is, he is so pumped when he got he got mentioned in the and song. Then, and then they got to the voice actors, and then the joke was like, they they do four whole hours of work, and they still and they get paid millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that, that that is probably the best ending credit sequence I've ever seen. Yeah, that, <laughs> I know, I think it's a combination. Of the of the visuals of like seeing the Legos like go over in like a circular motion along with the song like the combination is just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me the only thing that rivals it would be like the opening credits of Deadpool. Oh yeah. I think that to me is for me it's a little fun. I I enjoyed that a little bit more, but it's still in that same vein of humor. Yeah. Um. But yeah. All right. Well. You can find out all the info on this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can join us on Discord to text chat about animation at OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord and tell us why we are correct or wrong about our opinions of this movie. Um, you can support us via Patreon at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Rachel, a.k.a. Rachel Rose. And thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, and Hugh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Yes. Take care. Queen whatever is a queen.